0: Week of Jesus' earthly ministry, and you notice the crosses uh, that I put on the platform this morning. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit about that in the morning message. Uh, one thing I want to bring to your attention, if you've noticed, is in your bulletin this morning uh, are two of our Easter invitations. And I'd like for all of us to make a, a special point this week to get these two to someone and say, Listen, would you be my guest? For Easter this coming Sunday and uh, please try to get those out and give those to someone and and say listen, uh, if you'll come, uh, I'll take you to meet the Easter Bunny. Now I don't know where he's at, but uh, you know he's out there somewhere according to what the world has to say, but uh, we're looking forward to a great, great Sunday next Sunday for Easter Sunday. What's another word for Easter Sunday? The resurrection and we're looking forward to that. The choir's been working very hard, very diligently, and uh, this week, uh, this morning, we're going to focus on the time where Jesus was on the cross, and uh, it's a very special time for us as uh, children of God, and I'm praying God will use the message this morning to help some to understand the great sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, so this morning, we're going to take a look here as we continue our series on truth and dare and so if you have your bibles there this morning uh this morning doesn't have per se like a key text that we a lot of times do of course a lot of these verses are taken out of first chronicles and uh over in the book of first and second kings and so if you have the outline anybody did not get a copy of the outline this morning raise your hand anybody brother robert I think I'm going to have to add another zero to your salary. You're doing a great job, and uh, he's, he's getting those out. And uh, so the, today's lesson is dare to show the way to others. Dare to show the way to others. Now, uh, when, you, when you hear a, a, a topic like that, you think to yourself, it might be this matter of, of showing people to the Lord. And while that is something that we ought to do in our lives as Christians is be a witness That's really not what this lesson is about because it's revolving around the life of David. And uh, there is some things that we can do when it comes to the work of Christ or as our theme is this year, the cause of Christ. So I want you to think about this this morning about helping others to find their way to show the, the way to others. And David was a man, as we've been studying his life for many weeks now, that he was sure David wanted to make sure that his ministry what God gave to him that it was not going to end at his death. Now think about that. I mean that's that in my heart that is one of my prayers is it's not about me, it's about the Lord. And so everything that that I'm I'm trying to do as God directs me, I don't want because look here my life might end but the ministry must continue. Okay? Uh, this church will be 70 years old in January, and the ministry, as we call it, that began 70 years ago is still going on today. David wanted to make sure that the things that he was involved in, the work of God, that he, that, that, that was going to continue after his death. Now, as you think about David's life, what did he do? Well, he took the time to equip and to prepare his son, and in this passage, The son we're talking about, because David had many sons, was the son by the name of Solomon. Okay, Now, Solomon's the one we're going to focus on this morning. But understand, as you think about this, and that was part of the message that the men heard on Saturday, was that we need to be investing in... Boy, he talked about how the devil is targeting young men. How he doesn't want young boys to become young men of God... So that they'll live for god you think about how many churches you see very very few a lot of teen departments are full of girls teen girls but no teen boys Uh, you look at churches he made the comment he says most churches that i've been in the pastor said he goes the choir is almost always all women and i smiled at him because that's not the case at our church but our church is a rare exception when you think about this david david had many sons In this instance, David was going to equip Solomon. He was going to prepare him. So what did he do? He collected the materials that Solomon would then use to build the temple. Because remember, before the temple, which is a permanent structure, there was the what? The tabernacle, the portable. And I was trying to tell everybody uh, as we were out there yesterday, Friday and Saturday, that in the Bible, the Bible uses the word tabernacled. And I said, you know, there was, there was camping in the Bible. You know, they camped in the Bible. When they would go in for the Passover and the feast days, not everybody could get a room at the Holiday Inn of Jerusalem because it booked up quickly. There was no Holiday Inn in Jerusalem. Some of you are looking at me like, well, I don't see that in the Bible. It's not there, all right? But here's the thing is, not everybody could find a place within the city of Jerusalem to find, a, you know, to spend because they would go in for the entire week. So many times, what they would do is they would set up these these. You remember, remember when they were on the Mount of Transfiguration and Peter said, "Boy, this is good that we're here," and he's like, "We need to build, uh, you know, one for one for Moses and one for Elijah and one for Jesus." Listen, that's what they would do: is they would they would erect these these tents. that oftentimes, the the top of them, like some of the tents that some of the people had at our campsites. They had a, they, uh, the top of it was kind of just a, a screen or net, and it was open up to the stars. So you could see the stars. Now, well, we put the rain cover on ours, and it's still in, in, the next morning with the morning dew, everything inside our tent was wet, even though we had a rain cover on it. But see, David was trying to help Solomon because God had put on David's heart that, and we'll see this in just a minute, that God needed to have a a place, a more permanent place. And this was something that the Lord put on David's heart. And so what did David do? He began to enlist people to try to help him with this project. Folks, look, I can't do all the work around here by myself. That's why I'm constantly asking folks, hey, can you help with this? Would you, would you do this? Would you be, be willing to help out in this area? Uh, we're getting ready for summertime. Summertime's a busy time of ministry around our church vacation Bible school I'm gonna ask I'm gonna stand in that pulpit and ask as a pastor hey listen would you be willing to come and help during vacation Bible school help our boys and girls so they can learn about the Bible and learn about the Lord Jesus listen we can't brother Chris and brother Kenny and I we can't do that by ourselves and David realized this was a project way bigger than himself way bigger than Solomon and so he enlisted other people to help out in this situation David knew that he would not live to see all of this to happen. He wasn't going to be able to be there for it, but what did he do? He showed the way to others. Now, look, some of us, there's no doubt, none of us know how long we're going to live. I mean, we're not guaranteed of a tomorrow. Would you agree with that? But what that means is whether we're young, middle-aged, or old, that we need to understand that in our life right now, We've got to be showing the way to others. There's other people that need to understand. Uh, brother RJ's here this morning. When he got out of the van, uh, the pastor kept asking me, R.J., he's, he would say, now, who is this person over here? He's pretty good. He was remembering a lot of people at our camp out. And when you got out and you were walking up, I said, this young man right here, I said, he's been saved recently. I said, I've been discipling him I said, man, he is hungry for the, for the things of God, you know, and, and he, he looked at me and he says, I like that. And I said, I like that too. You know, I wish more of us would would keep our hunger for the Lord. You know, a lot of us would be in a whole lot better shape physically if we'd feast on the word instead of all the stuff we ate at that camp out, you know. But, but listen, we need to keep that hunger for the things of God. So how did David show the way to others? Three simple ways this morning. By the way, I hope you're, you're starting to realize this wasn't just something for David. We're not going to build a tabernacle, but we can show the way for others so that they can be involved in the work just like we're involved in it right now, all right? So look at the first thing David did is David saw the goal. I mean, David was interested in building the house of God it, listen, this was not about David. It was not about his, his house. This was near the end of his life. And he, David had kept this goal of building the house of God clearly in sight. It, look, in your life, I hope that you have some sort of goals in your life. I'd like to do this. I'd like to accomplish this. In other words, not only have those goals, but how are you going to accomplish those goals? You've got to have a plan. have got to have a purpose. You get around a lot of young people, and, and listen, I don't criticize them because I was the same way when I was younger. A lot of times you ask young people nowadays, So, what are you going to do when you graduate? Oh. So, are you going to get a job? Oh. Are you going to go to school? And what are you going to study? Oh, no. You know, they don't, they don't know what they're going to do. The reason that they're not worried about it, the reason that they don't care is because they've got a bed at the house, because mommy cooks all of his meals because he doesn't have to work, because he, listen, what, what we need to do is, you need to look at your child, if you still have one, and say, go get a job, grow up, put on your manny panties, and, 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 you know, realize life is, you know, you got to get out there and earn a living, you know, the, 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 there's so many people that don't realize there's a purpose for living, listen, are you saved this morning? Yes. That was pretty weak, are you saved? okay i wanted to see what kind of crowd i was talking to here this morning if you're saved then guess what god saved you and he gave you a purpose god has a purpose for your life if you haven't discovered it yet then what you need to do is just ask the lord god what would you have me to do you know what is it that you want me to do with my life now you could use the generic one live for god well that's true but you can ask God to be specific. God, what would you have me to do? How would, you, how would you have me to live my life? Listen, when you think about David, he had goals. He had purpose in his life. Just like Paul writes, I press toward the mark. Notice what he says here. For the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Paul says, listen, I'm, I'm running my race. I'm pressing toward the mark. He says, I've got a purpose in my life. I've got goals. And when I was thinking about this, uh, I know a lot of you probably have been to either Disney World, because we're here in Florida, or maybe you're out in California, you've been to Disneyland. And a lot of folks go there. But listen, this is absolute truth, that back in 1971 is when Disney World opened. Anybody remember that? Yeah, 71. And listen to this, four years... After the death of Walt Disney, someone said this, it's too bad that Walt Disney isn't alive to see this. And a man replied, he did see it, that's why it's here. See, Walt saw Disney World before Disney World ever was there. And you have to realize in your life that just like David, that we need to see what it is that God wants us to do and we need to actually uh, you know, execute to try to see things, uh, help that to happen in our lives. David knew the result of his planning and preparation. David understood the ultimate goal, number one, was for the glory of God. David showed that with a very humble heart. This wasn't about David making a name for himself. Look in your notes there, 1 Chronicles 17. David the king came and sat before the Lord. Notice what he says. Who am I, O Lord God, and what is mine house that thou hast brought me hitherto? O Lord, there is none like thee, there is, uh, neither is there any God beside thee, according to all that we have heard with our ears. David, he, listen, he realized that God, not David the king, that God deserved all the glory. David, this is something that that just stuck with him. Look what Paul wrote to those in the church in Galatia. God forbid that I should glory, save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified unto me, and I unto the world. Look, Paul realized it. David realized it. We need to realize this morning that all the glory and all the praise belongs to God. And this is something that was David's ultimate goal. David wanted to make sure that God got the preeminence. Anybody know what the word preeminence means? First place, right? That God would be first place in our lives and and, and everything about our lives. And so, look, we need to build God's house. Now, when you say God's house, the preacher at the campsite even reminded us of this. He says, your body is the house of God. You know the Bible says our body is the temple of the Holy Ghost he lives in you if you're saved this morning and so what do we need to do we need to build God's house and we need to make sure that God's name is magnified David wanted to show gratitude to God for all the things that God had done to him has God been good to you anybody been in here this morning know that you're blessed of God yeah and so look just like David You should say to yourself, how can I show God my gratitude for all that he's done for me? David, look, in his life, he saw the goal, and the goal was that God would get the glory. But look at the second thing. Beyond God getting the glory, it was good. It was for the good of others. David wanted to build this not for himself. He wanted to build it for the good of others. Now look in your notes there again in 1 Chronicles back in chapter 17. And the Bible says, What one nation in the earth is like thy people Israel, whom God went to redeem to be his own people, to make thee a name of greatness and terribleness by driving out nations from before thy people whom thou hast redeemed out of Egypt? For thy people Israel didst thou, not, uh, didst thou make thine own people forever, and thou, Lord, becamest their God. Therefore now, Lord, let the thing that thou hast spoken concerning thy servant and concerning his house be established forever, and do as thou hast said. Let it even be established that thy name may be magnified forever, saying, The Lord of hosts is the God of Israel, even a God to Israel. And let the house of David, thy servant, be established before thee forever see david saw the goal the goal was for the glory of god but david also realized that part of the goal also was that he wanted to do this for the good of others see the temple was for the people too you think about this morning you came to the house of god you came this morning look i hope you came for the purpose of glorifying god and meeting with god and that's what david thought to himself is I want to create a place of worship, a place to come and spend time with God, where God's people could pay homage to God. And by preparing this temple, what David was really doing was he was leading the people to serve God. See, it gives us a place to come together. Now, we, we saw that as we were out there camping. We saw people doing various things, cooking and cleaning. I mean, there were, there were some major things that happened at that camping. Mike, I'm going to tell you something. Uh, I think about a half a pig lost its life with all that bacon that got cooked. And I'm glad there's some people that stood there piece by piece because it got eaten piece by piece. You know, it was awesome. And listen, as we come together, you know, whether it's out there, whether it's here on this property, we come together to serve God. See, David saw the goal. The goal is everything we do today and on this property and in our lives is all for the glory of god and everything we do is for the good of others see you have to see that goal because watch this if you see the goal then look at the next thing david did david then surveyed the path okay paul said i pressed toward the mark paul could see the mark okay now whether physically he could see it remember walt disney saw it before it was there so here's paul in his life david in his life he could, they could see the finish line, not physically, but spiritually. Okay, so how do I get there? He surveyed the path. Look what it says in 2 Samuel chapter 7. It came to pass, when the king sat in his house, and the Lord had given him rest round about from all his enemies, that the king said unto Nathan the prophet, see now, I dwell in a house of cedar, but the ark of God dwelleth within curtains. Do you get what the Bible's saying there? David says, look, I've got this mansion, I've got this nice established home, I've got this beautiful home with all these nice furnishings, and the house of God is still not a permanent structure. In other words, what David's really saying is this, my house is better than God's house. And you know what he was thinking to himself? That ought not be. I shouldn't have a nicer home than God does. Now, listen, I realize it's not the temple, it's, it's we this, in this present New Testament era. But David says, look, back in my day, he says, this is the way things were. So David felt burdened to do something for God. So listen, he wanted to do that. Why? Because God had done so much for him. So when he surveyed the path, notice, first of all, that there were obstacles. The major obstacle that David had to encounter was his past, his history. Now, David was a man of war, and David had fought many battles for the Lord. This was something that David did. He led. Of course, the one time he didn't. He got himself in trouble. We looked at that, but look at 1 Chronicles 22 and verse 8. The word of the Lord came to me, saying, Thou hast shed blood abundantly and hast made great wars Thou shalt not build an house unto my name, because thou hast shed much blood upon the earth in my sight. Now, David could have said, well, listen, I understand that, Lord. But David could have said, look, I'm going to do what I want, because I'm the king. But that's not what happened. David, and by the way, what David was wanting to do to build the house of God wasn't a bad thing. It was a good thing. But when God says, look, David, you've got blood on your hands, I don't want you building my house because of your past. It was a major obstacle. So you know what David did? He accepted God's will, and he says, okay, if I can't, then who can? And he thought about his son. He says, my son could do that, and so what can I do? I can help my son. See, we can honor God only by doing things his way and not our way. That's why God blessed the whole endeavor, because David says, look, I can't because God won't allow me, but what I can do, see, that's the whole key right there is. See, what happens sometimes, look, we are people of this book, and sometimes God, in his word, because of sin in our lives, sometimes we're disqualified from certain things according to the word of God. But do you know that even though you may be disqualified, maybe from an office or something, you know that God still can use you? And Listen, there are some, some great people in our church that helped me in so many ways, but when it comes to the Word of God, oftentimes because of things in our past, it disqualifies us. But what we ought to say is, we ought to have the heart just like David to say this, hey, look, if I can't according to God's will, then what I can do is I can help someone that can do that. Are you with me this morning? Yeah. Listen, we can help others to accomplish maybe something that God puts on our hearts. And this is exactly what David did. We can honor God just like David did. God's plans will be fulfilled. But here's the neat part is, is that we can actually be a part of it. God wants to include us. Think about Joseph in the Bible. You think about all that Joseph went through in his life? You know, with his brothers he was cast in a pit, he was fished out of the pit, he was thrown into prison, on and on and on. And you think about Joseph's life when you come to Genesis chapter 50 and verse 20, Joseph was in the right place at the right time, and he says, but as for me, ye thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good to bring it to pass for, uh, as it is this day, to save much people alive. Now, David David in his life understood sometimes there's obstacles. Guess what? Joseph understood there were obstacles. But see, in the end, it was all the plan of God. How about Mary and Martha? Remember how these two sisters, you know, it's kind of unusual, they actually loved their brother. <laughs> two sisters that actually loved their brother. And they were devastated by Lazarus's death. And as you look here in John 11, 45, look at this statement here. Then many of the Jews which came to Mary and had seen the things which Jesus did, look at that last phrase. What does it say out loud? Believed on, him. believed on him. See, look, why did my brother have to die? Well, it sounds to me like God had a purpose. You know, it was an obstacle, but in the end, people believed on the Lord Jesus Christ as a result of this situation of their devastation of their brother's death. How about uh, Paul in his life? You know the whole passage about Paul had what the Bible refers to as a thorn in the flesh. And you see this in the Word of God in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, where Paul writes, he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is, is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities. And here's the key, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Paul says, look, this thorn, and a lot of people had different ideas of what it was. Uh, many believed it was some type of an eye disease. I don't know exactly what it was, but but it was an obstacle. But listen, uh, it, all, through that obstacle, the power of God rested on the life of the apostle Paul. And see, David surveyed the path. In other words, how can God get the glory? How can I help others to come to the house of God. Well, he he began by surveying the path and he saw the obstacles and his response to the obstacles was acceptance. He accepted the will of God. And listen, that needs to be our response is God, not my will, but thine be done. That's what Jesus prayed. So I see here that there were obstacles, but notice also see that as he surveyed the path, there were also resources. I mean, God God will supply all your need, right? Amen? Amen. Yeah, God supplies our needs. God did that in David's life. David thought to himself, well, look here, I need some resources if I'm going to help my son. In other words, God was going to supply everything that was necessary to fulfill his will. Well, what are some of the resources that we find in the word of God? The first one was the person, and we've mentioned this Solomon. God chose a man for the work. Look at First Chronicles 28, 6. He said unto me, Solomon, thy son, he shall build my house and my courts, for I have chosen him to be my son, and I will be his father. See, God chooses people. You know, as a pastor, I can't go around and choose people it's god is the one you read in the book of acts chapter 13 how that it was in the church that the holy spirit of god separated paul and barnabas see god chooses people and some of the resources that we see here in this in this whole project of david was first of all the person but notice the second resource was the plan then I mean, you got to have a blueprint got to have something to go by and this was the pattern Of the building and the pattern of the furnishings and the pattern of the organization God is a God of order I mean remember in the Old Testament when it came time for the the tabernacle and the construction of the tabernacle I always think that's a neat story because remember the children of Israel were living where where well before that where'd they come up out of Egypt Egypt, right they came out of Egypt when they left Egypt listen did they own things while they were in Egypt? No, in reality, they, they didn't really hardly own anything. But when they left, what did God tell them to do? Yeah, he asked them to borrow, right? And so they, they begin to go around, and they, they begin to get all these materials together. Do you know that's kind of the way God does? Remember Mary and Joseph, the, 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 the mother and the, and the earthly father of Jesus, and how that they were, according to the biblical account, they were basically very poor. They didn't have a lot of money. Remember when Jesus was born, uh, they were told that because uh, Herod sought the life of the child, where did they go? They went to Egypt also, didn't they? Well, listen, journeys, you ever taken a trip? Does it cost money to take a trip? Yeah, right? Where did Mary and Joseph get the money to take the trip into Egypt and to live to sustain themselves till they came back out of it where that money come from the Kings what what, what did they get from the Kings gold. gold and frankincense and myrrh right so look when they when the children of Israel left Egypt they came up out of Egypt and when God says look I want you to build the tabernacle they didn't have a Joanne's fabrics to go get all the material for the, the drapes, drapery and the tapestries and everything. They, they didn't have a Home Depot to go buy the wood to build all the pieces of furniture. Uh, listen, where did they get all that from? They got it from Egypt. They took every last bit of it with them. See, God has a plan. And just like in David's day, when David started to say, look, I want to see the house of God become a permanent place, God provided one of the resources was a person, Solomon. And he provided the the plan, the pattern. How about this? David knew that the project, when he did it, that it had to be done right. Because God is a God of order. I mean, I love when I go back and I read. Um, I'm trying to think of what that guy's name was. It started with a B in the Old Testament. That built all the pieces of furniture. Do you remember what it was? Nobody remembers? It's one of those um, difficult names. But anyway, he built... A, but listen... He didn't have to think, okay, now how big I remember remember Noah? Noah didn't have to think about, now how big a boat should I build? God told him exactly how how big to build it, right? Told him how long, how wide, how tall, every last bit of it. Look, all we have to do is realize God has a plan. God will let you know how you can make that goal become a reality that God would get all the glory out of it. See, there, there, there was, in David's life, there was an obstacle, but notice the resources because we see the person and the plan, but we also see the precious metals, the gold, the silver. God used David. Look, yes, he was a king, and maybe he had an opportunity because of his position, but David gathered up all the, the gold and the silver and the precious things for the vessels and the hooks and the basins. And by the way, it was gold and it was silver. You know why? Because God deserves our best. Whatever we give to God, it shouldn't be our leftovers. It should be our best. Why? Because He deserves our best, does He not? You, know, you think about the things that we. If David had not done his part, when I think about this, the project probably would have been. It would have probably taken a whole lot longer for, for this to happen. It would have probably been more difficult for Solomon. Look at First Chronicles twenty two five. David said, "Solomon, my son, is young and tender." And the house that is to be builded for the Lord must be exceeding magnificent. Look at that word. Let's say that word, magnifical. That almost sounds like we're making up a word, does it not? That's a Bible word. You know, it's not magnificent, it's magnificent. You know, try using that word this week. Somebody will say, are you making that up? No, it's a Bible word right there. In other words, David says, look, the house of God needs to be better than Disney World. It needs to be magnificent. You know, I'm sure if Walt uh, would have found that word in the Bible, he would have probably used that for Disneyland, you know? And so, so he says here, the glory throughout all the countries, I will therefore now make preparation for it. So David prepared abundantly before his what? Before his death. David says, look, I'm going to do my part. He says, I've surveyed the path to try to make this become a reality. And he says, I'm going to help my son So when I thought of this, I thought to myself this question. When I leave this world, and when you leave this world, the thought this morning is, what will we leave behind us of lasting value that has any form of eternal significance? Because only what's done for Christ will last, right? See, we have to realize so many times Our pursuits are temporal things. That's why it's important to invest in the things of God. David knew, listen, any any penny that I've ever given to anything in the Lord's work, I've never regretted it. Because anything you do for God, folks, I'm going to tell you something, it is worth it. Because you think about it, I don't give it to the church, I don't give it to the preacher. I give it to the Lord, and by the way, he is worthy of everlasting, he deserves it all, all the glory, so David in his life, look, David saw the goal, he surveyed the path, but watch this, after he he thought, okay, uh, how am I going to make this become a reality, okay, now I see the way, I see how it's going to happen, now watch point number three, David then, what did he do, he supported the man, now who's the man, tell me, Solomon, so now Solomon is his son I had the privilege of working with my dad for about 11 years in construction and it was kind of interesting how our role as we began to work together because I deferred to my father because number one he was my dad number two he was he was definitely older and wiser than I was number three I didn't have a clue what I was doing he'd been doing it for probably 25 years when I got into the trades And so I just started working alongside of him, watching what he was doing, trying to do what he was doing. I remember my dad would come in, he'd critique my work, you know, he'd say, son, you're doing that wrong. You need to do it this way. He took pride in what he did. And over the course of time, it was interesting how my dad began to defer to me. He began to say, listen, why don't you do this and then I'll help you. I remember those days. I remember looking at him like, um, you're, you've been at this a whole lot longer. You're my dad. You know, and he just looked. Look, that's what David, David realized. I can't, according to God's will, I can't do this. But what I can do is I can support you as you do it. I hope you're getting this this morning. Because God doesn't call all of us to build the temple of God or to do this or to do that. But what we can do is and it's very, very important as we can, we can fill that role, that support role, to help someone to do it. So look at a couple thoughts here this morning. First of all, David showed his support by praying for Solomon. He prayed for him. The Bible says in 1 Chronicles 29, give unto Solomon my son a perfect heart. David prayed for his son that he would have a heart for God, that he would keep his eyes on the Lord. Hey, listen, if you're a parent this morning and you have children, I guarantee you that's your prayer this morning, that you are praying that your child would have a heart for God. And that's what David prayed, that he he would keep the commandments of God, the testimonies and the statutes and do all these things and build the palace for the which I have made provision. David prayed for the heart of his son. Notice also in Luke 22 how the Lord said to Simon or Peter, Behold, Satan hath desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat. But what did Jesus say to Peter? He says, I have prayed for you. Listen, when it gets difficult, when the devil's attacking, Peter, Peter listen, we know the nature of Peter, which is very similar or just like ours. Our sinful nature is, that we give into the flesh. And, and Jesus says, Look, Peter, I know you. And he says, I've prayed for you that your faith would fail not. And when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. Look, Peter was going to be one of those leaders. And, and the Lord says, Look, I'm praying for you because God's going to use you to help others. So, look, one thing we could do to support someone is to pray for them. Colossians 1 9, for this cause, we also, since the day we heard it, Paul says, We do not cease to pray for you Paul says look we're praying for you I've texted people in our church I've t- a, lot of, a lot of times on Saturday or Sunday I'll text my pastor and I'll say praying for you I'm praying for him he's my pastor he's a man of God look we need to pray for those that are working for God and David showed his support by praying for him but notice secondly he showed his support by preparing him And we have talked about this how that David was trying to help Solomon do what God would not allow him to do, first chronicles 22:13, then shalt thou prosper if thou takest heed to fulfill the statutes and judgments which the Lord hath charged Moses with concerning Israel, be strong and of good courage, dread not, nor be dismayed. In other words, he was telling his son to follow god 's law, to do what the word of God says he was trying to prepare him david was also helping him by preparing men to help he realized look solomon's not going to be able to do this by himself so look what the bible says in chapter 22 verse 15 moreover there are workmen with thee in abundance hewers and workers of stone and timber and all manner of cunning men for every manner of work david david helped to prepare men he says hey look my son's going to do a great work, and he needs some help. He needs you. But then notice also that David instructed Solomon one last thing, and that was to do what God gave him to do. Look at this verse here, 1 Chronicles twenty two sixteen: 16. Of the gold, the silver, and the brass, and the iron, there is no number. Arise, therefore, and be, what's that next word? Doing. Doing. He says, I want you to be doing, and the Lord be with thee. You know what the opposite of be, be doing something is? Is to be doing nothing, right? So he says, look, Solomon, you have to be doing what God is getting. What was David doing to his son? He was charging his son. He was challenging his son, commanding him, exhorting him. The seriousness of the responsibility. Look, David understood the seriousness of it. You know, sometimes as a parent with your children, you wonder if they realize how, how serious life is. And David knew the seriousness of building the house of God, and he was trying to get across to his son, hey, listen, son, this is a serious matter. You need to understand this. He's, it, it, you know, I thought about David, and I thought about the responsibility there. As believers, we need to take our responsibility seriously. What God's given us to do, take it very seriously. The Christian life is a a serious matter. Why? Because we represent the Lord on, on this earth. You know, we're a walking billboard for the Lord Jesus Christ. How we live our lives, the way we present ourselves, our very conversation, if we are going to see Christianity thrive in the future, we must be actively supporting the next generation, just like David. David says, look, God says, I can't do this but I can support those that can. Well, how can I do that? By praying for them and by preparing them. I believe with all my heart, I hope you do too this morning. Do you think there's still a work to be done for the Lord? I think there is. You know, the cause of Christ. Look what Jesus said in John 9, 4. I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh When no man can work. Now that hasn't happened yet. The door is still open. People can still be saved. See, there's still a great work for us to do. And it's not building a temple, but it's doing something for God. God has something for all of us to do. Now how's that going to happen? You have to see the goal. You have to survey the path. And then you have to support. If God doesn't allow you to do it, support those that will be doing it how many of you think this is a good endeavor right i hope that you see in your life god wants all of us to be involved in it and whether it's you or someone else let's do our part to make sure that we see that god gets all the glory and it's for the good of others all right let's pray this morning lord thank you for this day for the blessed time that we've had this morning in the word of god the challenge that david gave to solomon still remains a challenge to us today Lord, I pray that you'd help us to live for you, to serve you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.